right, it is the Fantasy Finish Line podcast on drink5.com. Tonight is Wednesday, October 13th, 2021, and we're going to talk about the NFL in week six. It's the injury apocalypse. All right. Ah. Cheers. Drink five, folks. Hoo-ah. So as Jason said, I am Dave, this is Jason, we are here to bring you fantasy football analysis and uh, a little bit of laughter, hopefully, uh, a lot of drinks occasionally, and uh, and tonight we have a whole bunch to offer. A so lot of injuries, definitely. Why don't we get into some of that, Jason? All right, so uh, just to get the specifics out of the way, remember, please subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're Drink 5 in both places. We're Drink 5 anywhere you find us. I don't think anybody has tried to steal our name yet, so that's a positive thing. That's right. Um, you know, wherever you get the podcast, review us, if you can. Give a thumbs up or whatever the hell it might be. Uh, just do all the things that help us, help you, help your team. And so, without further ado, we're going to talk about what's happening around the NFL this week. Um, so, Dave, you want to take it away? With the man who's been taken away from us? Taken away from us. I, I, I say that in jest, of course. I could care less <laughs> if he was still here or not. Okay, well, Good riddance for the most part. Let's talk about some things that are happening. So John Gruden, uh, obviously gone, resigning after these leaked emails surfaced. Not only was it one email uh, that everyone that in the NFL community saw, and everyone in the public too, after it was uh, leaked and then... It was more like distributed to the public than leaked, right? It was, uh, it was, uh, it was carried over on the wings of uh, of some lawyer angels, uh, but but I do think that there are serious issues with what John said. Now, if you look back, and I don't want to make this uh, a debate in any way, uh, but if you look back at what you think of as what you're saying is that you're pro John Gruden's emails, no. uh, incorrect, <laughs> incorrect. But when you look back at things that uh, you know that, that we're familiar with in uh, like the '90s, 2000s, etc., uh, clearly you can understand some of this terminology because I've heard it from coaches in uh, in athletic endeavors that I was involved with in high school, etc. Right? Sure. But that doesn't make it okay. And not only was it uh, the one email that came out, but multiple after that that uh, made it clear that the Gruden is a tremendous asshole. Yeah, I think there's a big difference between a coach calling you names, trying to get you to run harder in practice, and a coach who um, sits down in front of his laptop and fires off a bunch of email full of those words. Sure. So regardless of, of what we think about any of this, uh, and rest assured that, that I think Jason and I both uh, believe that, that John Gruden was way out of bounds here, um, the fantasy impact is what we're interested in. So when, when John Gruden leaves... Uh, how does that leave the Raiders? Does that uh, create a fantasy impact on them? I know in the past we've talked about coaches leaving, and when coaches leave, uh, there's generally a positive impact on uh, on fantasy production, at least in the short term. But that's when coaches are, are not... Because teams are usually underperforming at that time. Yeah, that's when coaches have not been doing well. And so the Raiders have actually had some positive games. Uh, being that they're doing okay this year and have had some good offensive production... 
Do you think it will impact them negatively to have a coach uh, like this leave and have the whole uh, Sarah, uh, like all the things surrounding it occurring to them? Yes. In, in general, I think that their performance will suffer um, just because it's a huge distraction. Now, they yeah. are going to continue uh, with pretty much the rest of the coaching staff intact, I would assume. I can't imagine that they're going to change the whole regime in the middle of the year. Right. So once they put this behind them, I, I think they'll be a little bit better. As we saw last week, they were lackluster at best. They lost to a bad Bears team. I don't think that for right now the Raiders are going to rebound quickly. I think that, um, you know, they had some impressive victories against some good teams, but it's not. I don't. I don't know. It's I, there. There aren't many coaches that are removed like this throughout the season, so we don't have a whole lot of examples. When you when to you like fall back on to say, well, this team, you know, did this. When you see scandal. Um, in, in any way that it comes out there, it should probably impact them negatively, at least for the short term. You would think that they are going to be asked a million questions, drawn into a bunch of press conferences, uh, constantly uh, bombarded on social channels uh, with questions from reporters, from people all about John Gruden. So they're probably a little tired uh, of all the things that have been occurring over the past week. Uh, I agree with you. I think that it, we may see a negative impact, at least in the short term. But what a lot of people said about Gruden, too, was that um, is that he was a very loud coach, but he might not be a very good Knock coach. Knock on wood if you're with me. <laughs> so I think uh, in the long term, it may not affect, uh, it may not affect <sighs> them that much. I do know that uh, Gruden had, uh, as come out in some articles, uh, and we knew kind of before, uh, about 51% control uh, of the organization, which means uh, control of the roster. And now it's gone flipped back to the uh, uh, to the coach will probably not have that, and it will be going to the, uh, to the GM or the owner. So the Raiders GM is Mike Mayock, so that, formerly of the NFL Network. So that may have uh, something to do with uh, what occurs with them. So I don't – look, they, they have a lot of talent on this team. Derek Carr has shown that he can play a uh, good quarterback. People were like – you know, through three games, people were like, oh, wow, is Derek Carr actually going to be an MVP candidate this year? They've got a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I, I definitely think that this team can turn it around once they get this behind them. It's a question of how quickly they're able to do that. Yeah, maybe next year. Yeah, it's certainly not going to be this week, maybe not even next week. Maybe after the bye week when they can really implement some of the things that the other coaches want to do rather than like just keep running the things that John Gruden had implemented. But it may be a good idea to fade the Raiders a little bit uh, here in the next couple weeks um, You know, when you're talking about short term. Sure, so they play the Broncos this week, uh, Eagles, and then it looks like they have a bye. And then they come back, play the Raider, the Giants, the Chiefs. Raiders versus Raiders. Bengals, Cowboys. Well, right now it's Raiders versus Raiders. Mirror universe. It's, it's all about, you know, not beating yourself. <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, a tweet by Field Yates. He says, it's week six, and the Jaguars have not yet made a field goal this season. They are 0-4-5. That's crazy. I can't believe I didn't realize that. And I would have totally written about that in my column. Yeah, Jason's column, uh, uh, what's it called again? <laughs> Statistically insignificant. Right. Uh, and so that is that is a, a perfect 
opportunity for you to use that, I think. Um, perhaps maybe this upcoming week. If, if they, they continue to miss. If they still keep missing field goals. And so they're the first team in the Super Bowl era to not make a single field goal in the first five games of the season. That's crazy. And uh, who did it used to be uh, that was on the Jaguars? Uh, and the one of the misses, wasn't it at the end of the game with Arizona where they um, – it was like a 50 – or like a 67-yard attempt and uh, it got run back for a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's hard for anybody to make a 67-yard attempt unless their name is uh, Justin Tucker. Yeah. Breaking all the rules. I don't even know why they tried a 67-yard attempt. That doesn't make sense. The the uh, time was expired at the end of the half. <laughs> so that's really all they had. That's, you know, it was that or a Hail Mary. Well, one of those things maybe not not resulting in a run back for a touchdown. I don't know. <laughs> well, they both can result in a you know run back for the touchdown. But this year in general, I have seen a couple of weeks where there's been a lot of missed extra points. Uh, a lot of uh, there was kick- like eleven of them. A lot week. of k- kicking issues, and and we see that occasionally. Uh, one of the things that we always bring up in the show, right, uh, is that um, there there are these uh, these things that you think are uh, are surprising, but yet they occur every single year. Yes, it reminds me of baseball. Whenever um, announcers like to wax poetical about baseball, they always say like, "Oh, baseball is so great because." Uh, no matter how long you've watched the game, every night when you watch a game, you see something new. Well, I feel like that happens in football, too. I, I feel like any sport, if you're watching closely enough, you'll see something new all the time. And um, it's not that it's always very different. It rhymes, to to steal from Mark Twain. You know, It doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And it looks similar to things you've seen, but it's a little different. Like, I've never seen a game where they missed five field goals in a row with less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter. No. But that just happened. But there's been plenty of games where nobody can make a damn kick. He's getting some flaming shit delivered to his door. But he won the game. He won the game. <laughs> yeah, but he missed so many times that there's going to be conversations among all their fans. Uh, we're talking about the Green Bay Packers. About Mason Crosby? Uh, about uh, finally getting him off the squad. You know, Crosby has lost games for them before. That's true. And uh, I'm sure this isn't uh, putting him up higher in the spotlight uh, as far as people that, that it's are... not helping. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, that's an interesting conversation. The, the last thing is, starting Wednesday, November 17th, there's going to be a new Hard Knocks mid-season series. They've never done that before. That will try to capture the Indianapolis Colts' struggles to make the playoffs in the AFC South. Keyword, with, struggles. With their new coach, Frank Reich. Now, I understand struggles. But, uh, I mean, their, their opponents, besides the Tennessee Titans, are the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it shouldn't be too difficult for them to get themselves into second place. They are a team that's more talented than the other two. Uh, the question that I have is, will the filming of this new series affect the team positively or negatively? And I know that one of the things that you might bring up uh, is the series that occurred before. Was it on Amazon? All or Nothing is what it was called, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, is there any kind of impact that you think uh, filming a mid-season program uh, during uh, the NFL season itself, as opposed to Hard Knocks, which is in the beginning of it, uh, that it could have to the team itself? So, I think that the teams are pretty used to having media around, to having cameras in their face all the time. Having like someone literally follow you around is going to be a little different. You know, it'll be Jonathan Taylor. It'll be probably um, T.Y. Hilton, like the bigger names will get the ones following them. Carson Wentz for sure. So, you know, uh, the question is like, 
when they air it, are is there going to be a perception that other teams are able to use that against them? Because mm-hmm. that seems to be the reason why we've never seen an in-season thing like this. Hard Knocks has traditionally been only during the preseason, which means that you don't you, you see how the roster is put together, which is fine. What you're seeing mostly is talent evaluation and not game planning. What you see during All or Nothing is actually a lot of the nuts and bolts and how you run the the team and how you approach each game. However, that isn't released until months after the season is over. So I am interested to see how this is. I have to imagine that they would not agree to this without some sort of final editorial say. So um, it's unlikely, in my opinion, to be very interesting to someone who already knows a lot about football. I think it's meant for the casual football fan um, to try and draw them in a little bit more. And why they picked the Indianapolis Colts, I have no idea. There is not much interesting about that team. Um, they perhaps can, it's the only team they could get to agree to this. They can always find uh, some things that are interesting about any any team like that because they're like little mini companies. Look, every football team is terribly interesting to you or I. Yeah. Um, but they're not likely to show many of those interesting things on camera. Hmm. You know, they're not going to tell us um, who they plan on playing more, Naheem Hines or Marlon Mack. You know, those aren't the kind of things that we're going to learn from Hard Knocks, I don't think. You know, that's the kind of stuff that we would love to know. Or at least uh, know their thinking behind how they did it, The you know, on Sunday. So, I, I will definitely watch it because it's Hard Knocks and I um, am hopeless to the dulcet tones of Liv, Liv Schreiber. There you go. So I, I will li- watch it for the narrator alone. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, about drink5.com. I want to let everyone know that you're either listening to this uh, as a podcast or you're watching it live on YouTube or you're watching it on demand or you're uh, watching it through many different channels uh, that, that distribute those videos and podcasts. What we'd love for you to do is uh, is write a quick review or, or rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it, uh, or if you're on YouTube, I'm give it a thumbs up. If you're on YouTube right now, please uh, <laughs> subscribe to our channel uh, so that we can get some more viewers and uh, possibly sponsors and, and grow this thing. We would really appreciate it. Uh, Jason and I would uh, would definitely give you a thumbs up for that. Yeah, so, uh, make us big enough so we can buy you all a beer. <laughs> Well, that would be a, a fun thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm behind it. And uh, we never really did the what are you drinking segment. Uh, so maybe well, that's we, a good point. We kind of skipped over that. Maybe we can move into that before we get to the injury apocalypse So what we will be drinking is the Imperial Hickster, an Imperial Blonde Milk Stout from Scorched Earth. Um, it's even got a quasi-stormtrooper uh, helmet. On a dude with a giant beard and like some corn in the background. I gotta say that the, behind like this strange urban camo. So the art for very good art the, work there. The art for uh, beers over the past five years has gotten huge. I think that as uh, I know a lot of people that are designers that work in, in the art world in general. I don't think that beers were uh, a very big topic of discussion for employment uh, or or design contracts uh, ten years ago, but now. Uh, beer is something you could go into. You could be a beer uh, cover art designer as as like your yeah. job. Yeah, and that's absolutely am- that's amazing. Yeah, the the only marketing jobs aren't coming up with Miller Lite ad <laughs> campaigns anymore. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, and then we have already cracked open a Pollyanna Fun Size, um, 
which has a real clever little poem, if you will, on the side. You are not you when you're thirsty, so satisfy that craving with this fun-sized treat. I don't know if that's a poem. It's not a poem, but, but it's it's, it's, a... it's a rip-off slogan <laughs> or, or an homage. Uh, the beer tastes like a certain candy bar that um, you can say it. We're can't... not we're not under any uh, specific. Okay. Uh, you're talking about Snickers. I am indeed. It, it has a striking similarity to a Snickers bar as you drink it. So, um, mm. did you mix that with wine again? No, I just drank all the wine. Okay. It just seemed rather full. And then, uh, what's that last beer that we're going to open over there? I know it's one we had on the show last week, but it's good enough to give it another shout-out. Uh, Needles Hazy Eye New England-style IPA from So Hot Brewery in Huntley. So, uh, there are three beers uh, that we are going to dive into. Perhaps a little Four Roses as well. Yeah, shout-out to the three beers uh that we're going to be drinking shout out to the three beards <laughs> that we'll be seeing this weekend all right if you live in chicago look them up so uh so let's let's take a little uh drink break and then uh, move into our injury apocalypse cheers I love I love Jason playing these these tunes that I wrote. He's like, I've never heard them this many times, even when I was mixing the song. Oh, really? Now you get to listen to them once a week. At this point, I'm like, I got to write some new stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, I want to use, I want to have a variety to choose from, to craft an individual show. That's right. I don't want to just be like, then they're great tunes. I like playing them. Well, we'll get there. It's certainly like a way better alternative to the uh, royalty-free music that we were choosing from earlier. Well, here we go. So, Injury Apocalypse 2021, is that the plan? Yeah, and it's definitely not royalty-free, but we can quote it with our own voices. And go, bring out your dad! And just (laughs) pretend that, like, you know, Monty Python's in the background. (laughs) So, it's been one of the worst weeks in recent memory uh, for NFL injuries. And please don't go counting them and saying, well, actually, week four last year, I don't care. Um, So, we're going to have a not-so-quick roundup of all of the fantasy-relevant guys who we need to keep an eye on going into week six. Yeah. If uh, we go too fast, if you lose your spot, if you want to go back and review, go to our website. Uh, all of these are posted as the week six injury apocalypse. Um, Dave is in the process of um, making it look a little more snazzy and stuff. And I really like uh, the front page changes that you've made so far. Yeah, we're getting there. And so what we've got here. Uh, Soon we'll be bought by NBC. You know, who knows? <laughs> Fine with me. <laughs> You call me a sellout, I don't care. That means I made money. Well, nobody wants to sell out until they see the check. Yes. <laughs> and then where do I sign? <laughs> so, uh, to begin this injury apocalypse 2021, we've got Russell Wilson. Uh, he injured his middle finger. This one, right? Did you see the game? Yeah. So it was it was quite interesting because uh, when, when he came off the field, it looked like uh, it was a horrible injury. He was holding it and kind of like exclaiming in pain. And then it felt like he was going to come back in. But then, uh, like a little bit afterwards, uh, he was trying to grab a hold of like a tennis ball and he was unable to. Ooh. So clearly it you, was you a can't way hold bigger. A football if you can't. 
Yeah, way bigger injury. So yeah, it seemed like at first it was a um, dislocation. So he has a torn tendon as well as a fracture slash dislocation of his middle finger. I suppose all three things can be true at the same time. His middle finger on his throwing hand. Um, this one. Anyways. Um, he had surgery to repair it. He's expected to be out until week 10 at the earliest. It is said that he is a fast healer. I don't know what that means. It is said. Does he have like special <laughs> stones or rocks or minerals? Um, An injury hath befallen Russell Wilson. Yes. It is, is said that he is a quick healer. Like extra prayers to <laughs> heal. I don't know what that means. Um, let's assume that Seattle has a bye week in week nine. We don't need to assume that. That's a fact. Um, let's assume that he doesn't come back until after that at the yeah. very least. Yeah. So. In relief, Geno Smith immediately led the Seahawks on a 98-yard scoring drive. That was very encouraging. Uh, threw a second touchdown. in the uh, Well, he threw one touchdown, but it was um, DK Metcalf's second of the game. So the Seahawks fantasy players that you would normally start, I think, remain startable. Right now you've got whoever the starting running back will be. That's either going to be Alex Collins or Chris Carson. We'll talk about that in a minute because... You want we have so many teams with multiple players, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got the two receivers, Lockett and Metcalf. I think they're both startable. I think you need to move them down a little bit. Um, where have they wound up? Do you know where they are compared to like last week on your list, Dave? Have you have you downgraded them a little bit, or are they kind of in the same place? Uh, well, well, I don't have a a, a comparison uh, between where between they weeks. were last week and where they are this week. That's that's fair because well, with different opponents, it's gonna. Be different anyways what what i can tell you um is that uh looking up the seattle players i i currently have so dk is at 12 and tyler lockett is at 24 they're playing pittsburgh who i don't think is particularly good or bad against the pass i think they're kind of average um, they, they could upgrade their secondary in some cases, but they, they, they haven't been horrible. The problem has been uh, a couple of teams that have just taken oh actually taken advantage of yeah them. third against third in points against wide receivers. So um, these guys are definitely still startable for this week, is what I'm saying. Even with Geno Smith at uh, quarterback. Well, remember that there were a lot of injuries on Pittsburgh, and they started to look better last week they certainly did but i i will totally agree with you that um that they're both startable however we have to remember that the quarterback's name is geno smith do you remember geno smith (laughs) i do the the fact that he did well for a quarter and a half or whatever he was in for doesn't really have any bearing on how he will do going forward as a replacement starting quarterback and I don't think that uh, Seattle is going to have a very good time with this guy under center. I agree with you that last week's performance, um, especially when you when you first come in, like you're generally taking everyone by surprise, and you're able to have success that way. And anybody playing in the NFL should be able to take advantage of a situation like that. But but it's not the Jets, so I mean, but he's they in definitely a both got a downgrade. So last week mm-hmm. you had Metcalf against the Rams. Uh, at 7 and lock it at 11. So now they're 12 and 24. Um, that's a hit, as we said, but still well within the startable range. Yep. All right. More quarterbacks injured. Daniel Jones, he suffered a concussion. He was visibly dazed and stumbling on the field after the play. Uh, he was carted off the field. Um, one of my uh, one of our friends, Matt Cochran, who writes the Survivor article, uh, 
commented that he's never seen a player carted off the field for concussion before. Um, so Mike Glennon wound up finishing the game. He had enough passing action to encourage me, at least, to recommend starting Kadarius Tony and possibly Sterling Shepard if he returns. It sounds like um, Darius Slayton may possibly return as well. That does get a little muddy. However, if it's Jones, he's thrown the ball so much to Tony lately, I would stick with him uh, for another week. So Daniel Jones did not practice today, but according to Joe Judge, he is, quote, on track with everything, whatever that means, um, because the concussion protocol is very cut and dry. You have to pass certain tests. Um, I don't know that there's any sort of, uh, like, milestones that you worry about along the way. Mm -hmm. So if he does return, I would bump Tony and Booker and Shepard back up a little bit. They seem like the most relevant fantasy starters for the Giants. If Darius Slayton plays in addition to Sterling Shepard, I would probably choose to start Shepard instead of Slayton were that a decision to make, just because it seems like Tony's going to be taking a lot of that action. Yeah, let's just let's just bust through these guys. There's so many of them, you know? <laughs> we do have too many. Trey Lance, he suffered a knee sprain. So far, his timeline's murky. The 49ers do have a bye week this week, so they're not required to give us any updates at the moment. Jimmy G could end up returning because Lance uh, was not very good as a passer. So, situation's clear as mud. you got to pay attention to what's going on next week with their practices to figure out what's going on in week seven. So, mm -hmm. um, no answers right now on the 49ers, unfortunately. But it's their bye. You couldn't start them this week anyways. <laughs> Tom Brady um, hurt his thumb, I believe, on his throwing hand. Um, and he plays tomorrow night. So, all reports indicate that he will play. He is not 100%, but that offense is playing very well. Tom Brady, not at 100%, is going to be just fine for fantasy production. Do you have a problem with starting your guys with Tom Brady having a thumb injury? I'm, I'm, I'm worried in general about any quarterback that has problems with his throwing hand, but if Tom Brady says that he's okay, then I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, after the years that he's been in the league, it means that he can throw the ball to Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, or Mike Evans just fine. <laughs> well put. Yeah, I mean, he may not be trying to dish it deep down the field, uh, but I, I, I mean, what last game he scored like five touchdowns, 400 yards. Yeah. Ridiculous number. I mean, the thumb is not the finger you use to drive the ball. It's generally like the forefinger or the middle finger. So we need like a ball. It needs to be another accessory <laughs> on the table as part of the uh, decor. All right. But, um, you know, obviously the thumb is important. We're, we're all apes with opposable thumbs. That's what separates us. So Saquon Barkley is injured as well. He sprained his ankle. It swelled up. Swelled up? Swelled up. Pretty quickly, and uh, it was on display for you on television. Everybody sort of reeled at it. it, it I normally reel at all those injuries as well, but for some reason a swollen ankle just... I just had a swollen ankle a few months ago, so it. I was just like, yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, clearly he's gone for a little while here. You think so? Mm -hmm. So um, they haven't really put a timetable on his return yet. They have not ruled him out for week six. A lot of guys have already been ruled out for week six. Not Saquon Barkley. However... I assume he will be out for week six. You're going to be looking at Devontae Booker. He scored two touchdowns when he came in for uh, Saquon last week. Um, this week, do you know who the Giants play? Week six schedule. Not offhand. So this week the Giants are going to be playing. Um, 
the Rams. So not a tough, or sorry, not a great matchup. Very tough matchup. The game will be played in New York. It's a West Coast team going to the East Coast and playing at noon. So that's about the only edge that you can see for the Giants right now, especially if they're not going to have Daniel Jones. Okay. Damien Harris of the Patriots exited Sunday's game twice with a chest injury. He also fumbled on the goal line but was still given uh, carries late in the game, which means that Bill Belichick either trusts him with his, you know, firstborn son or, you know, it's not as relevant now that his firstborn son has become a stupid meme. Who likes who likes Damian Harris? My people in the chat room, give me uh, give me a heads up if you like any New England Patriots running backs. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and so I, it sounds like he has avoided any serious injury. He is day to day. He did not practice today, Wednesday. Uh, as always, we say, you know. Guys are always given veteran days off on Wednesdays. Keep an eye on when they practice, especially Thursday, Friday. Um, if they practice in the week, generally they'll play, but not always. If they don't practice, almost nobody plays, um, with the very few exceptions. So we're going to assume at the moment uh, that Damien Harris will probably be fine to go on Sunday. They're playing the Cowboys. There's going to be a lot of points in this game. So I like him as an RB2 slash flex option if he plays. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he was put on the IR already. He has a sprained MCL. That means he's out for at least three weeks. You've got Daryl Williams. He's going to be the main running back. Getting pretty much all the work is how I see it because Jarek McKinnon, who is the guy behind him, has one carry on the year, four total touches. I don't see much work going to McKinnon at all. Do you like Daryl Williams to be like the workhorse for the Chiefs at the moment? Yep, we, we can only go by uh, previous... Um... Uh, the previous ability and the previous workload, and it looks like that's exactly who it's going to be. Um, I like to look at how much the team is willing to put them on the field. And um, so sad about McKinnon uh, saw twenty nine percent of snaps last week. It's so sad about Clyde Edwards. Well, McKinnon is is generally the more explosive, in, like in space passing back third down guy. Yeah. they'll still have him there. But I, I think goal line carries and uh, regular short yards will all go to Williams, like you mentioned. Yeah, Edwards Hilaire has really been uh, coming into form this year. Mm-hmm. What you had hoped to see on a regular he basis. He was looking good. Yep. And so, of course, he got injured. So, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah. CMC was practicing last week. It came down to a game time decision. Ultimately, he did not play. This week was basically his originally targeted return time. So I think that he'll return this week. They play the Vikings. He did practice again today. Remember, he did practice all last week, and they didn't decide to play him. Yeah. So um, if he does go, he's going to get his normal workload. That seems to always happen with Christian McCaffrey. As soon as he comes back, boom, he's right in there as the RB1, getting a full workload. It's nice to see. It's nice to have guys that you don't have to question whether or not you start them right away. If he doesn't play... Roll out Chuba Hubbard for one more game. Um, keep Chub- an eye. Chuba, Sean would, Sean would. Uh, My bad. Reprimand you. It's hard to, it's hard to, to imagine that it's Chuba. His parents. I think, <laughs> I think it was either on TV or we said it last week. His parents missed a golden opportunity oh to name God. him Chuba Hubbard. Well, it's crazy. I mean, uh, I just saw an article the other day. The the names people are naming their babies are crazy. Some of them are named Maybelline. Some of them are named Lucifer. Lucifer. Yeah. Like they said, what, 14 babies in the United States right now are named Lucifer and since 2017. And we're like, oh, you guys just want the apocalypse to occur. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe she's born with it. Maybe she's Maybelline. I guess uh, they're, they're mishearing the commercial. 
something like that. Not sure. That said, uh, are you saying that they shouldn't be born with it? This this is no no. I Lady Gaga, uh, you know. Okay, so as always, keep an eye on the inactives ahead of game time before making your final decision with Christian McCaffrey. It's a noon game, uh, so you'll have plenty of uh, other options if he's not going to play. Um, he has he has uh, the coach there has more recently said that he'll be a game time decision next week already uh, over the past couple hours. So implying okay, but it's ridiculous that somebody on Wednesday would say this guy's going to be a game time decision on Sunday. That does that is just coach speak and means nothing. <laughs> that is super. What what he wants to do is have the teams uh, not know who to game plan for. That's all. Uh, I, I I think I agree with. Exactly what you said. It, the odds are that CMC does play, and he just doesn't want people to know that he's getting healthier. Fair enough. But that's it's just sad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so Chris Carson missed week five with a neck injury. He did avoid landing on the IR list, so that means he's probably going to be back soon. He did not practice today, Wednesday the 13th. But Pete Carroll said the plan is for him to return to practice tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, since Russell Wilson's out for a while, it seems like maybe they're going to lean on the running backs a little bit more. If Carson can't go, it's going to be Alex Collins for another week. He had 15 carries last week on Thursday night. This week, he plays the Steelers on Sunday night. The Steelers, as far as points against two running backs, are pretty good. The fourth fewest points allowed to opposing running backs. So the strength of Seattle right now is probably their running game. Um, Especially with Geno Smith under with center. With Geno Smith under center. And the strength of the Steelers' defense is their run defense. So they're going to force Geno Smith to pass the ball. Um, another reason to start the Seattle wide receivers. Um, but that's a you know something that we already went over. Or the Pittsburgh defense, depending on your perspective. Ooh. They are, I think, uh, highly ranked this week. I think the Colts, the Rams, and the Steelers are the highest-ranked defense uh, this year, this week. This week, yeah. yeah. The Rams, if you were able to pick up the Rams, their next, like, five games are against a bunch of, of cupcakes. Course. I mean, we, we're in some leagues, right, where the uh, where the fab dollars spent on the Rams was, like, 16 bucks or something. I dropped, I put six, and I was like, this is kind of high, but <laughs> I totally want them. I think I put down four bucks, and I'm like, never going to happen. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't expect to get it. What I did expect was thirty-two dollars on Kadarius Tony to be good, mm. and I was the fourth highest bidder. Yeah, mm. people people want their guys. Gotta spend those bucks, man. Yeah. So Joe Mixon and Samaje Pirine, they split carries in Sunday's game. Uh, Mixon had twelve. Pirine had fifteen. Uh, not carries, but total touches. The twelve and fifteen. However, it was more of a 60-30 snap percentage split with Pirine being the dominant back there. But that's because Mixon was returning from injury. After the game, Pirine was placed on the COVID list. That sets up Mixon to have a full workload this week. He's practicing. He got out of the game without any setbacks. They play the Lions. If you have Joe Mixon, start him with confidence. I don't have a problem with that. And I also recommend just dropping Samaje Pirine for now. Yeah, I think um, if if there are issues with Mixon as far as injury, uh, etc., Pirine looked pretty serviceable considering that the Bengals actually have a better offense these days. But Mixon, and we were together watching the game on, on Sunday, and it looked like Mixon was uh, fairly healthy and they were just trying to control his snaps because of what he was coming back yes, from. Yes, he, he looked just fine in 
the snaps he got. So the other guy on that team, his name is uh, is Chris Evans. I believe he's. Um, I believe he is. Does he moonlight as some sort of captain? I believe somewhere? he's some sort of captain. I got you. Yeah, some kind of like of a, a country, an American captain. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if he comes he's a military out, man. I mean, he's got a shield and everything. No, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, he's Chris, got a vibranium helmet. Chris Evans could be a very deep league uh, uh, snatch for this particular week, uh, but I think in general, Joe Mixon is a probability. Uh, it's pretty high of, of taking back over the backfield while Samaje is out. Yes. Uh, another uh, last running back on our list, Dalvin Cook. He missed the game in week five. Alexander Madison proved once again he is the best backup running back in all of fantasy football, uh, even better than whoever winds up playing for Christian McCaffrey. Um, Cook did not did did practice all week last week before ruled, being ruled out. So even though he practiced today, it's not a guarantee that he'll start this week. The Vikings are on bye next week, so they may choose to hold him out one more week this week and just keep him out through the bye just to be sure. Mm -hmm. The Vikings play the Panthers, so you could wind up with Dalvin Cook versus Christian McCaffrey, the battle of the you know maybe the two best running backs in the league, or you can wind up with Chuba Hubbard versus Alexander Madison. The battle of two pretty good backup running backs. <laughs> or some combination of that. Um, as always, watch the uh, uh, waiver wire. I recommend not waking up four minutes before kickoff to set your lineups. I, I do think that's a, a quality recommendation. I, it was your birthday I'm last week. I'm not saying that I know it from experience. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's really stressful to set check six teams lineups in four minutes and just say, screw it. I'm not going to change my survivor pick. And you're sweating the Patriots all game. Which, uh, which beer, anyways, would, you, which beer would you like to crack open? Anyways, next? let's try that hazy to the needles. Hazy. eye PA PA new England IPA. It doesn't mean that, uh, you're supporting Bill Belichick necessarily. It's just where it came from. It just means that you love him and the Red Sox. That's right. So, we'll move on to wide receivers. Tyreek Hill was reported to have a knee injury, and it turned out to be a quad contusion. He's not practicing today on Wednesday. And obviously, um, just like with the quarterbacks and their finger injuries, um, a leg injury to a fast receiver like Tyreek Hill is just, you know, you cannot play when you have a leg injury that's hobbling you. Not a speedster like that, yeah. It's uh, something that needs to be treated seriously, right? That's my words exactly. <laughs> so keep an eye on his status throughout the week. If he's not practicing, I don't expect him to play. He is a top-line player, but I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to play without any sort of practice. But but would you start him if he's going to play? I would because Washington is giving up the fourth most points to opposing wide receivers. Sure. So if he does not play, Miko Hardman had 12 targets last week, second highest on the team behind Hill's 13. Um, he should be the main beneficiary. Obviously, Travis Kelsey will be involved. Daryl Williams will see plenty of targets. It'll be up to one of the other targets on the team. So last week, there was Kelsey, Hardman, and Hill, who all had double-digit targets. And then there were six guys with two or fewer targets. So it's going to be up to... One of them is going to have to step up. I have no idea who it's going to be. I really hope it's Josh Gordon, just for the hype and for the fun and for the memes. It's not going to be Josh Gordon, but... No, it could be. I... I... We'll mention him later uh, as well in the broadcast, and 
I feel like uh, he's kind of in a similar situation as Sammy Watkins always was, where like if if the team needs to lean on him, he's a guy that can catch the football. But it's not who they're going to put the game in the hands of. It's true. But it was so fun seeing him out there on Sunday night because he is huge. <laughs> and maybe they just don't have a lot of big receivers. They have Kelsey, <laughs> but I feel like he's the size of Travis Kelsey, but he probably runs faster than him. Yeah, they're, they're maybe receivers. not quite as wide, but he's as tall as Kelsey. Their receivers without Watkins are all just nimble and fast. They're not. They're not big. They're not possession receivers. Yeah. Yep. So uh, Kenny Galladay, uh, maybe let's talk about our token Giants entry into this there position. There must be a Giants entry on every single position. <laughs> I heard a stat during the game as I was driving home. Seven of the eleven starting. Uh, like week one offensive starters for the Giants are injured now. It's it's a ridiculous stat. You know, it was after Saquon went out, after Daniel Jones went out. Uh, Kenny Galladay is now injured as well. He suffered a hyperextended knee. He's finally warming up uh, on the team. He had a good week last week. Um, but he's expected to miss at least week six. He is going to be on IR. As we talked about him earlier, Kadarius Tony is kind of the new hotness on the team. Uh, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton could be back, and it's going to muddle the target share a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Daniel Jones had his best game as a pro in terms of passing. He threw for over 400 yards uh, two weeks ago, and it was in large part because Kadarius Tony had 189 yards from scrimmage. Or no, that was this week, his 189 yards. That was this week. But last week he had um, like... 10 receptions or something like that. Are you talking about Tony? Yeah. He's, he's had two good weeks. Yeah. Uh, breaking out this week somewhat officially, but uh, the previous week also uh, having uh, quite a few receptions. That's that's true. Uh, and for for Daniel Jones anyway, um, again, I'll, I'll talk about him later, but I, I, I feel like uh, the game script has so much to do with his success, uh, especially uh, Saquon Barkley. And if there is no Saquon Barkley, it's going to be a huge problem for him because there's no reason for, in general, uh, the defense to stack the box on every down. That's true. That's very true. But, uh, but yeah, your points are valid. But they'll have negative game script because they're playing the Rams. Yeah, and that's going to be even tougher. Daniel Jones is going to be uh, have his uh, helmet just full of, uh, uh, full of dirt and and grass because Aaron Donald will be all up in his face. Don't worry, they have field turf. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Juju Smith Schuster unfortunately has probably played his last game as a Steeler. You know, an injury is serious when the team immediately signs whatever free agent is on the top of the pile. This time it was Anthony Miller. So Juju had soldier shoulder surgery. Uh, we did see the was it a tweet or a Instagram post or a Snapchat or whatever of him from the hospital bed. Uh, and he's going to miss the remainder of 2021. Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool will continue to operate as the one, two on that offense. Juju was not really contributing much this year and is not fantasy relevant this year. I, this doesn't change very much in my opinion, but he's a big name that is gone down. And I don't think there's any sort of replacement, uh, that will come up. So, um, 
Not a lot of change. There. Well, James Washington is actually a very good receiver who's been looking for his chance. Who was? Uh, I hope so. He's buried on my dynasty teams. Let's bring him up a he, little. He was very upset earlier in the year because they have three guys that are playing every snap, so he had no opportunities. I think James Washington, as a Steelers wide receiver, could be a WR two somewhere. Where on the Steelers he was a WR four, and uh, I, I am a Steelers fan. But I, as Jason will also uh, agree to. The wide receivers on the Steelers have never been an issue of theirs. Um, they have always uh, uh, taken up a, a squad of guys and coached them up to a super high level. So I think James Washington can uh, can be a good wide receiver to fill in for Juju, but his um, uh, the things that, that James does are not the same things that Juju did. They won't be the same player, but he could be a player that does end up getting... Um, maybe close to fantasy uh, uh, productive games. I don't necessarily think that he's someone you're going to want to start, but from an NFL perspective, that's the guy that's going to fill Juju's shoes. All right. Uh, on the Titans, we got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. So A.J. Brown returned last week. He was on the field for 64% of snaps. He didn't have any setbacks. He led the team in targets. Uh, he should have his normal 80-plus percent of offensive snaps uh, coming up next week. Julio missed his second straight game last week. It was a hamstring injury. It was a soft tissue injury, as they refer to it. Um, it's the same kind of injury that Julio has had his whole career. It's the kind of crap that keeps him out for an unknown number of games um, going <laughs> into it all the time. It's always been an, an annoyance when you have Julio Jones on your team. It's the nails in his, uh, in his foot that are just acting up. <laughs> that sucks. So, he's practicing today. He might be back. I'm not enthusiastic about him starting immediately once he returns. This is definitely not uh, some sort of Christian McCaffrey situation. For right now, the team is all Derrick Henry. There's not enough production to start two wide receivers anyways. Um, Ryan Tannehill just doesn't have to throw the ball much because they've got Derrick Henry doing all of the work. They're going to keep riding him. I can't imagine them doing anything else. So, A.J. Brown would be the only one worth starting. When Julio returns, give him a week or two to sort of get back in the flow of things before you throw him back in the lineup. You know, uh, unfortunately, this seems like the situation where everybody who was down on Julio uh, was probably mostly right uh, as far as what they predicted. You know, it's a bummer. I I've always been a big Julio Jones fan. I've always thought that he was... Uh... Well, you're not wrong. It's just you have an older receiver that changes a team that was injured, that is injured. Like, you know, how much can you expect, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer. What we wanted, I think what everyone wanted, was for uh, Tannehill to have two A.J. Browns just, like, always on the field. Yes. And, like, Johnny Smith's gone, doesn't matter. Have two Julio Jones. Yes. And now what I want is another drink, so we're going to do that. <laughs> You go, you go grab yourself a drink. We're going to have our own. Listen to that bass. That's some, that's some that's a good bass line. Good bass. For anybody that digs the music, I am uh, in the process of opening up a Spotify channel where you can uh, download and stream some of that stuff. Oh, uh, very cool. Appreciate it if you dig it. It is uh, some of my first 
You can send Dave money and we'll send you the MP3s. <laughs> you can always send me money. It doesn't have to be about the music. But we'll send you the MP3s no matter what if you send us money. Why, why are you getting involved in this? <laughs> I'm just helping you here, bro. Can't I be your hype man? No, I don't need a middleman, I don't think, for this transaction. I didn't ask for a cut. <laughs> okay, so... If you do well, I do well. That's all that matters. So here's some quick player trends uh, that I'd like to bring up. And we always go over the trends uh, for regular programming. I'm sure we will again in a week or two. Uh, what's great is looking at the past three games and seeing how players have done specifically... Uh, in this case, this week, we have a running back, wide receiver, and a tight end. So I'm going to go over these guys and uh, ask you, Jason, what your opinion uh, is on them. Okay. Um, so first, we have Michael Carter. Michael Carter, of course, a rookie uh, that was drafted by the Jets. In week three, he scored 3.9, and all these uh, fantasy points are in half PPR scoring. 3.9 points. Week four, he had 9.9. and week five, he had 13.3. Carter has now become a consistent flex option. Uh, he's averaged over 10 carries and 3 targets per game over the last 4 weeks, and he's trending up with the yardage gained each week. Uh, he's also scored a touchdown in both of his last two matchups. And yes, it's the Jets, I understand. But in this time of injuries that we just went over, where we have a segment that's 45 minutes long about injuries, <laughs> uh, surely you understand that in this 18-week season, there's going to be even more injuries. So it's important to have depth guys and to grab them before they're taken. Now, he is owned in uh, quite a few uh, uh, um, leagues, a large percentage. I believe in Flea Flicker, which is where we have most of our leagues, he's owned in 79 or 76% of those, uh, at least from what I checked earlier today. 76 your memory is accurate. But uh, it's good to have that dependable guy on lock manning the bench or the flex spot, so I like Michael for that. And after the Jets' week six bye, they face New England and Cincinnati. They are not teams that are uh, are very um, – they're not teams that are letting a, a million yardage uh, – uh, sorry, they're not, not teams that are letting a whole lot of points go through – but they are middling teams, right? Middle-of-the-road defenses, whereas uh, they're allowing 16.4 and 17.2 points per game to opposing fantasy running backs. And right now, uh, when you're talking about the Jets, when Michael Carter runs for most of those possessions, most of those snaps, then he's going to get most of those points. I, I think that you're going to expect between 8 and 14 points for Michael Carter in both of those games. And that's a great guy to have on your bench as someone to slot in when all these injuries occur. You know, um, one thing I notice is that his trend up includes how many snaps he's in for the game, his offensive snap percentage, and there's a lot of room for growth there. Still, he topped out at 52%. Yeah. If he's a guy that they trust more and more, then he can get up in that 70% range. He's going to have a ton of production and be a solid RB2. Right, because there's two other guys that are on that team that are also being used right now. But uh, you'll find in looking at the statistics that they're not being used as much. Uh, with this consistency that we see in the targets and the snap percentage and the carries leads us to believe that Michael Carter will, as some experts, including myself, said at the beginning of the year, uh, be the guy at the end of the season. Yep. As, as long as he's not one of the injured, um, <laughs> which is always rough. 
Uh, let's talk about Robert Woods and uh, a bit of a rough subject for me, but that's okay. Uh, week three, 5.3 points. Week four, 12.8 points. And week five, 21 points. Again, this in half week I was year. all over the under on his player props on FanDuel. Mm. The wrong week to jump in on that. Well, we've been right about a lot of things so far this season. I've been keeping track. Um, and I like to be right about things, but you can't be right about all things. Admittedly, uh, we've been down on Robert Woods after it looked like uh, like he and the Rams' offense were just on different paths. Yes. Right? Um, and it's after Woods expressed his frustration to Coach Sean McVay, uh, Sean McVay said, we need to get him some more opportunities, and that starts with me. And I thought that was coach speak, Jason. Uh, and sometimes coach speak is coach speak, and sometimes coach speak is honesty. And in this case, it was actual honesty. It's like misdirection, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we have to respect the trends. Uh, what we're seeing here uh, means that Cup and Woods are much more likely to both have 10 to 15 point games and have PPR uh, going forward than, than one of them going off for a tremendous amount and the other one not getting very much. So He was in for 99% of offensive snaps this week. So as we saw with Cup early in the season, he put up points, uh, uh, 26 points per game on average over the first three weeks. I don't think we're going to see that with Woods also involved like he is. That's good for the Rams, bad for your fantasy production uh, for these guys. But uh, I do still think that uh, Stafford, even though I almost picked him as a trending down uh, quarterback, it, when, when you're trending down, it's over 20 points still. It means you're not trending down. <laughs> you're just coming back to earth. Right. So I think Stafford will be just fine. I just think that the points we saw from Cup that were that made him basically like the number three overall wide receiver right now, they're going to come a little bit down to earth, and Woods will raise up a little bit. I think both those guys... even out just a bit. Yeah, I think both those guys are deserving of these 10 to 15 point uh, games and no longer the 26 or the 20... That, that we've seen in the past for Cup. They've got so many weapons on that offense, and they're really unlikely, in my opinion, to rely on the same one week after week. Yeah, There's five guys, I think, including Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, Daryl Henderson, who can really blow up at any given time. Sure. Good point. Uh, last guy, tight end, Hunter Henry. Week three, he had 6.1 points. Week four, 11.2. Week five, 16.5. Henry has seen his targets and his yards per reception trending up over the past three weeks. That's an important stat, yards per reception. It means uh, for the routes that he's running, uh, what kind of yardage is he actually getting uh, for those passing plays? And he's become one of the preferred targets of Mac Jones and the New England Patriots offense. Now, when we first started the season, we saw Jonu Smith from Tennessee and Hunter Henry both get grabbed up by New England and Belichick. And we thought to ourselves, maybe it'll be a Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez kind of offense where they send both of them out all the time. But if you look at which the... Which one's the terrible person and which one's the party animal? I don't know. <laughs> I, I would rather... Let's not put that evil on any of them. Yeah, come on, Ricky Bobby. So I would I would much rather uh, look at them as uh, which 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 of those right now are is the getting the passing plays and going out for routes and which one is... is playing the blocker and when you look at that you see Janu is uh, definitely the guy that is doing more blocking Hunter Henry is the guy that has more percentage of snaps running passing routes so I don't see why that would change 
looking at it as a trend, which it is currently, uh, red zone targets, back-to-back touchdowns against the Bucks and Texans, uh, and next week going up against the 24th against tight ends uh, ranked defense in the Dallas Cowboys, we should see Henry continue to provide excellent and stable fantasy production for yes. team managers. So if you're able to get Hunter Henry, I think he is a every week play at this point. I mean, look at the guys that are the wide receivers there, right? They have quality receivers, but they are not wide receiver ones. They are wide receiver twos or threes in Kendrick Bourne and threes. Jacoby Myers. Well, both are getting a ton of targets, and, and they're receiving the ball. because there's nobody around that we're throwing But to. these are not guys that are able to break free of tackles and score touchdowns. These are guys that are possession receivers that are going three yards and getting tackled. Right. Hunter Henry is six foot five, 250. You can just throw it up to him, and he's going to come down with it most of the time. He's going to score the touchdown, yeah. as he has. And John Smith is six foot three, 248, which is more stout, even though they're both enormous human beings. Um, that's why I think he's used in the blocking a little bit more. So Belichick looks at him and says, uh, you're blocking. Yeah. And you know what? If, if, if your coach is Bill Belichick, you say, yes, sir. Well, regardless of the situation, uh, we can only look and see what, uh, stats are presented to us. And these trends are important. And I encourage everyone else to look at those trends as well. Um, but, uh, any comments about those particular players or anybody else that you might have to bring up that, uh, that is trending? That is trending. I did not, uh, look into the trends necessarily. Sure. Um, we'll continue to, to I really like this where your mind is on Michael Carter. Um, Robert Woods, I think is, as we said, as I said, it's going to be some variable production. He certainly got the squeaky wheel treatment this week because he had 14 targets. He didn't have anywhere close to that earlier in the season yeah i mean his high, previous high end targets was nine and mostly it was it was four nine six six you know and then 14 so he definitely got the squeaky real treatment this week it's not going to happen every week like that you're going to see more cooper cup and van jefferson you're going to have games where they just run the ball because that's all they need to do this week to play in the giants they may only need to throw the ball 25 times i, I mean i think sean mcveigh will will allow the game script to dictate what happens but He's I do, a smart coach. I do think that Robert Woods is not going to have any more games where he has two points. Right. You have to make the, you have to coach the game as it is presented to you, not d- demand that your grand plan is forced upon it. That is perhaps a lesson that Matt Nagy could learn. <laughs> sure, and, and many sure. other coaches, really, let's be honest. Yeah. It's just that, you know, being here in Chicago, we're sort of forced to examine Matt Nagy on a regular basis. Yep. So, um, where do you want to go next? Well, there's only one way to go next. To the next thing? Yeah. Okay. If that's all right with you. Well, I didn't know if you wanted to do questions now or later. What I would prefer that we do is uh, open up that beer, perhaps. Um, uh, there's still a little bit more of this. Why don't you finish that real quick while we talk about the cut list? All right. Why don't you go ahead? Okay. So, at the top of the J cut list, we've got Derek Carr, who is owned in 78% of leagues. Dave... Wrote up all the cut lists. Not to, like, bring that up as a uh, demand, just to give you credit for coming up with these names. Um, it, owned in 78% of the league, that's a bold move. And I, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Because he's trending down over the last three weeks. And as you said, a trend down doesn't mean that you're getting down to 20 points. Derek Carr has lost his mojo. Well, he went from 20, he's lost his head coach. 22 to 15 to 8. Yes, that is a proper trend down. Yeah, exactly. Trevor Lawrence owned in 76% of leagues. 
saved by rushing touchdowns over the past two weeks. He's only thrown three passing TDs since September 19th. How do you like that for a stat? Again, what do these guys both have in common? Coaches with controversy. They they are distracted. They are not playing well at the moment. They both have talent, but you don't need them on your team because in a one-quarterback league, you should have one guy that's performing, maybe one backup if the bye week is coming, and that's it. I am specifically talking about with this cut list, I think we should, we should say uh, probably a 12-team league redraft one quarterback. Like, I don't, I'm not talking about 14, 16-team leagues. I'm right. not talking about super flex. Both I'm of not those about guys dynasty. need to be kept in super flex leagues, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Every starting quarterback should be owned in a super flex league. And dynasty uh, is the same way. Both of those guys have value. But in a redraft league... Oh, yeah. Don't ever cut Trevor Lawrence the first year in a dynasty league. But in a redraft league, yeah. I mean, they're goners. At running back, you've got Trey Sermon, owned in 76% of league leagues. Elijah Mitchell, who was drafted after him, so it may have led to a little confusion early on, is clearly the lead back. Um, they've got Jeff Wilson, who's going to come back. They've got... But they've said that Jeff Not Wilson mustered anymore, right? They've said that Jeff Wilson won't come back until like mid-November. So like we have a lot of time. Oh no, they do have Raheem Mustard. I was thinking Matt Breda is now gone. Um, yeah, there's there's a trove of running backs on that team. Right now, it's just the rookies, and it's really just Elijah Mitchell. They're on bye this week, and the quarterback situation is muddy. You know, you know Mostert is the thing that started all this. I know. Because he's really good and gets injured all the time. Yeah, he's not going to come back. He's done for the season. Oh, he is. Yeah. Okay. This is what started the whole thing. Like it was, it was going to be the the 49ers and the and the Ravens had good running back rosters that were like loaded with depth, and then all of them got injured, and then a nuclear bomb went off. <laughs> exactly. So speaking of the Ravens, you got Tyson Williams, forty-seven percent owned. You know, it, he was owned in way more leagues, and it sounds like people are listening to you. So you can say it. I told you so at the beginning of the season. There you go. Uh, everybody thought this is going to be the guy. It isn't the guy. They're not going to use him. They want the veterans. He's not good in uh, uh, in situations in which you have to protect the quarterback. Uh, what multiple times I, I mentioned how he did horrible things that lost the game. Yeah. Do you think that I'm the only one that notices that? <laughs> John Harbaugh is the coach sure of that I'm pretty sure John team. Harbaugh is paid to notice these things. He's Ty- paid millions of dollars to notice. Tyson Williams is not going to be the lead running back of the Ravens this year, if ever, because he lost multiple games for the Ravens. So, uh, the next two guys... Get over it. Those takes are too hot for me. You please take them. Too hot. I agree, I agree with one of them. I don't agree with the other. Oh, because you have them on your teams. Got it. No, I don't. So... Devin Singletary is the first one, 83% owned. Uh, I do I, I mark both these as hot takes. Like so the the cut list is generally guys that have done badly or poorly for or trended down for multiple games. Uh, Singletary is splitting currently uh, all of the, the carries with Moss, but he doesn't get the goal line carries, he's not getting the touchdowns. Uh, and he doesn't have substantially more targets than Moss does, it looks to me like Moss is trending to be the guy to take over that role, or at least to the point where Devin Singletary is no longer uh, relevant in uh, 10 or 12 team leagues. And So this is the take I agree with you. <laughs> the trend here is offensive snap percentage. 
Starting in week one, 75, 66, 43, 44. Last week, only 26%. Look at that. That's a lot of trends. In a, in a, in a game where they were dominating... And they could have used just running backs to run out the clock. Oh, damn. He only got 26% of snaps. That sucks. Yeah, that's not a good one. Yet he's still owned in 83% of the leagues. He's sitting on benches doing nothing. Uh, and these are the kind he's of guys. He's gathering dust. These are the kind of guys that need to be taken off your team. Uh, the second guy, which apparently you, you don't agree with, is Miles Sanders, 94% owned. So he's almost in every single league. Uh, I don't think he's producing well in this Eagles offense. I don't like this Eagles offense. And he has a consistent snap count. He is out there all the time, but he is not producing as a fantasy-relevant player. And so what I'm telling you is if they're not going to use him, why are you keeping them? Why are you keeping him on your bench? Or why are you putting him in your starting lineup? Please don't put him in your starting lineup. But I say keep him on your bench. Why? For what reason? Because he's literally trending up in snap percentage. If a guy is on the field a How's lot... How's that working for his fantasy points? What we want are guys who are given the opportunity. Not if he's not doing anything. It's got to turn around for him. Why do you got to give it a little more time why? to turn is around. Why? Is he due? Is he due? He's got to give it more time to turn around. <laughs> Look, I'm saying it's a hot take. I say if, if he continues... Saying he's due sounds like you're an idiot. Saying that he'll regress to the mean sounds a little smarter, even though it's the same damn thing. Yeah. I, you know... I think that you'll How see How many weeks do you need to have Miles to Sanders team. score six points for you to cut him from your team? I claimed him as a free agent this week because I was like, he can't... He's not a free agent yet. How many weeks do you need him to score lower than is playable for you to cut him from his team? Just I will... Know. Two more I weeks? I will do two to three more weeks. <laughs> I will. Well, let's return to this in two to three more weeks. Yeah, okay. Now, if Miles Sanders trends back up, then I will say that was my mistake, but... I will tell you, it's not like Kenneth Gainwell is is doing way better. It's just that the Eagles have no idea what they're doing. And they are not utilizing any of their players in the way that they should. And why is that a trend that should change? It's not. It won't. Yeah. So you tell me why Miles Sanders will suddenly be better in the next two weeks. I'm saying because he's still got all of the opportunity and he has the pedigree of a so, good, an actual good player. So what's going to change? What's going to change? The Eagles' offense needs to figure out, you know, their ass from a hole in the ground. That's true. And if they can figure that out, then they're going to play a little bit better or, or or decently better. Look, he's a guy with a 4.9 yards per attempt career average when he carries the ball. Um, you know, he has almost three catches per game. Do you want to know why the running backs aren't doing well in the Eagles? Yes, I do. Because their quarterback is Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Fair enough. One hundred percent. So they play Tampa, um, Las Vegas, and Detroit coming up. It will not change. So do not, do not start him this week <laughs> because Tampa is fierce against the running back. Now that means that Miles Sanders is going to have twenty points. Yeah, but clearly we're both wrong, and he's going to score. Although Miles Gaskin uh, had a ton of points against the Tampa Bay, you know, but that's uh. fantasy points and not real production. Yeah. Okay, moving on. All right, wide receivers. Josh Gordon, 38% owned. He caught a pass, and the crowd cheered. Time to move on. <laughs> Next flavor of the week. Believe you, in the hype, Dave. Believe in the hype. You you mentioned earlier that you want Josh Gordon to do well. well that's great. A lot of people do. doesn't mean it'll happen. I just want it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he'll, he'll continue to get one to three passes per week in a similar to Sammy Watkins' role, and that's great. And I'm glad he's back in the league, and it's a good story, but he's no longer Josh Gordon. Yeah. 
Uh, he is way bigger than the rest of the receivers, though. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Parker, 71% owned. He has hamstring and shoulder injuries. He was saved by a touchdown in week four, but his low yardage in every single week has limited any upside he's had so far. I dare you to start Devontae Parker. Uh, no. <laughs> no. I dropped Devontae Parker before I saw him on the cut list. Yes. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, 78% owned. 78%. Uh, Kittle with on IR could possibly give Ayuk another shot, but how many shots are you willing to give Ayuk? Uh, if Trey Lance is throwing in the ball, zero. I cut Ayuk this week as well. Cole Beasley, 69% owned, 420-69. Has the emergence nice. of, of Knox in this Where's offense. Where's when you need him? Has the emergence of Dawson Knox in this offense and Emmanuel Sanders in this offense caused Beasley to slip back under the radar? I say yes. Yes, and he'll blame it on some grand conspiracy, but it's just the fact that he's not as good of a football player as he thinks he is. And he's not as good of a football player as the other football players on his team. Tight ends. Robert Tanyan, 79% owned. Why? He's averaging one to two receptions per week. He's only had one week where he had any fantasy points worth starting. He has no consistent fantasy value. Anyone associated with Aaron Rodgers is just an immediate start. That's why people still have Marquez Valdez-Scantling on their team, which has no fantasy value whatsoever. Look, Robert Tanyan had three touchdowns in a primetime game last year once. That's why. And that has earned him so much name recognition He's got a lot of street that cred. he doesn't deserve. He's got all the cred. I mean, I, I say deserve. Like, he is he on one of your teams? No. Yeah. Cut him, guys. Cut him. Yeah. Cut him. Yeah. John Smith, we talked about him earlier, 65% owned still. According to the numbers, according to the trends, Hunter Henry is the trusted tight end asset in the passing game going forward for the Patriots. Uh, John Smith is simply not a guy you want to have on your team. Do you want a, uh, a, a cool tight end prospect that you can have? How about Mo Ali Cox or something like that? Uh, uh, no, we're not going with Mo Ali Cox either. Uh, Dan Arnold on the Jaguars. Yes, like, like take someone that's not Janu Smith because he has already How about demonstrated. Donovan Peoples Jones. No, he, okay, he's 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 tried to be a thing every year, never been a thing. Did you just pick him up somewhere? No, I love his name, Donovan Peoples Jones. Oh my goodness! How about? He's Let's not a tight end either. He's no, no, he's receiver. not. I'm thinking of Ricky Seals Jones. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was a high end tight end prospect this week. A waiver wire claim that was pretty high. Uh, tell me, Dave, why is everybody adding Zach Ertz? Why is he the second most added tight end this week? You don't know the reason? No. Is is uh, Goddard hurt? Have you not been paying attention? Look, there's 32 teams. I might miss a guy or two here or there. I'll explain it to you and everyone else. So uh, Dallas Goddard uh, recently tested positive for COVID. Okay. And because he tested positive for COVID, I believe even though he was vaccinated and according to the NFL rules, he can do two back-to-back 24-hour apart tests that are negative, he just tested positive like on Monday. And so and they play on Thursday. The odds of him being able to do that are next to nil, which means that Zach Ertz will be the only tight end that suits up for that match. And as we all know, when there is only Zach Ertz or there is only Dallas Goddard, those guys do well. There's so many times when that happens when, you know, two guys makes it muddy. When one of them is yeah. out, the other guy flourishes. That's the reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you want other names, David and Joku, uh, obviously yeah. Dawson Knox, if he's still available, but he should be owned in most leagues now. Mike Gusecki even. Um, yeah. Look for a Dalton Schultz. Last week, we did have a bet. Dalton Schultz versus Dawson Knox. Dave, you won. Congratulations. To the That's beer. Two in a row. 
Um, yeah, but Schultz was still had a good game too. Didn't he have uh, uh, like 12 points or 13 points or something? It just Knox had like 20-something. Schultz was uh, eight targets, six catches, 79 yards. If he would have had a touchdown, he would have been very close to Knox. We, we both, but Knox broke the 100-yard mark. We both had, and had a touchdown. Games. Yeah, we did not pick crappy tight ends. Look, I mean, Schultz is in double-digit points three weeks in a row. I have to say, uh, I think... This is like he's he's lower points each week, but it's not a trend down because he's still above 10, and that's good for a tight end. I think for some of these guys, the wide receivers, the tight ends, what we've been we've been talking about them, mentioning them, uh, uh, trying to get them to be put on teams week after week, uh, I, I think we've been doing a pretty good job. I know that I've been talking about Dawson Knox for the last three weeks. I think we had a good uh, hit with our sleepers last week. Yeah, I think so too. I, I was really proud of myself for hitting Kadarius Tony. He actually did finish in the top 10. He was the only, we, we had good performances out of some of our guys. He was the only one that actually finished in the top 10. When you set that as the bar, I was like, we're not going to hit that. That's ridiculous. No, but, that's no. the whole point. The whole point is upside. So yeah. good for you. That's fantastic. Uh, we have some audience questions. Do you want to read through those? Before yeah, if we anybody in the off? chat room has questions as well, please chime in and we'll do our best to get to those. But well, these we are questions have... from Twitter, uh, and uh, let's let's get those and all. So at Zeems, uh, 12,080, I'm sure that's not how he puts it, but he is the A.J. Brown owner and the A.J. Brown owner in a PPR league, and he is panicking. Who are some receivers he should try to target and try to trade for? So the best pickups this week at wide receiver, obviously you have Kadarius Toney. Um, you've got St. Brown in Detroit. Emmanuel Sanders is playing really well in Buffalo. Um, would you recommend James Washington as a pickup? Or is that more of like a deep league sort of thing? Now he's talking about trading. I, well, I'm first going with guys that he might be able to find on the wire. And then we can talk about trades. Um, as far as trades go, um, you generally want to target guys who are big names, but they are not performing at the moment. Um, guys at wide receiver that pop into my head um, on that list, maybe a Keenan Allen or Chris Godwin. What? Those guys are not going to trade those receivers for for him. Okay, well then you need to kind of drop down to like the... Well, maybe maybe they would. Maybe they would. Maybe you're right. So, uh, I, I think it's it's unusual, uh, or, or maybe it's not unusual. Or Brandon Cooks, maybe? It's it's interesting that, that people always try... Uh, not, people always panic, right? This is a, a He literally a thing. said he's panicking. This is a thing that is very common, uh, is is you you have someone that is starting at a... At a lower, um, at a lower uh, average points per game, or they're injured or whatever, and and there's a panic saying, "Well, that's that's not ever going to work out." Yeah, like I'm just going to be bad forever, right? Uh, and I think it is it is just so crazy to think that, but it's because I'm in a couple of dynasty leagues. So what I would say is you, you have to pick someone uh, who's a buy low candidate, but your candidate is a buy low candidate. So it's like, <laughs> so AJ Brown, if I'm going to trade for him from the other perspective, I'm going to want someone uh, that is on the same level or higher. Otherwise, why would I trade? Uh, 
so I would be looking for someone who is either doing really well or or someone who is also buy low. So like maybe you could get like an AJ Brown Stefan Diggs trade. But if you did that, would you really be helping yourself? Because then you'll just panic when you have Stefan Diggs, right? It's true. Um, I would say it's possible that you could you could trade lower than what you should based on how someone is doing now and the name that you have. So maybe you could trade for like a Terry McLaurin uh, because his name is not nearly as high as uh, A.J. Brown. But Terry McLaurin has been doing way better than A.J. Brown has. He certainly has. Uh, maybe someone who's more into the name. And in that same vein, DeAndre Hopkins. Amari uh, Cooper. Those, those are other ones that come to mind. Yeah. But what I would say to you is that all those players are not as good as A.J. Brown. And that if you would simply wait a week or two while A.J. Brown gets healthy... He will be better than all those players. I totally am on your wavelength with hold on AJ Brown. If you want to yeah. trade <laughs> for a receiver with other assets on your team, go for it. Yep. Um, but for now, hold with the AJ Brown talk. Um, at Dynasty Boyd asks, who do you prefer in Dynasty, Lavisca Chenault or Juju Smith-Schuster? Lavisca Chenault. He's younger. He is no longer. He's not injured for the year. Um, Juju will probably go to another team and have like a prove it type of contract. So he may have a good uh, year next year. Um, but for now, it's LaVisca Chenault all the way. If he can develop some good chemistry with his rookie quarterback, it could be years of production for him. So I actually like Juju uh, because Chenault signed a four-year contract, of course, with uh, the Jaguars. Okay. And I think Juju has an injury that's not going to affect him greatly going forward i think he'll be able to recover fully from that and he's very young still as well and so i like juju but but there's no reason for that i just think that juju is a more proven there's player than Chanel. some reasons i think <laughs> no th- you know i never use just just let me poke at you and you got continue. It. i'm not being serious i simply think that Juju's a more proven uh go and get it guy uh, than Chenault is. I mean, if Juju can come close to his second year, he had 111 catches, 1,426 yards, seven touchdowns. Like, that, he must have been a top five guy that year. But as you can hear from Jason and myself, it's a, it's, it's a difficult question. I mean, Chenault, Chenault is a younger guy. He's on a team that is not doing so well right now but could do well later, whereas Juju is an injured guy at the end of his rookie contract. Uh, in fact... Uh, on the prove-it contract, it's not like he's not going to go away. Like Juju's going to be in this league for years. But whether or not he does well depends entirely on a landing spot. Yeah. Okay, so Troy in the chat room asks, Deontay Johnson or Chris Godwin, or he could play both and sit Sam Darnold. So that sounds like a super flex kind of question. Do you mean this particular week? Yes. So Deontay Johnson... Uh, is playing on Sunday night against Seattle. Chris Godwin is playing tomorrow night against the Eagles. Or? And Sam Darnold is playing against the Vikings. You're saying Darnold or? It's a super flex. So, So the question is, should he start Godwin or Johnson or both of them and sit Darnold? Okay. So, in my opinion... You start Sam Darnold, and you start Deontay Johnson. The Steelers are now down a wide receiver. Deontay is already like the de facto number one on that team. 
Chris Godwin has a high floor, but a low ceiling this year in Tampa. So I would go with Deontay Johnson and carry on with Sam Darnold. Yep. All right. Uh, his follow-up question, he needs help beating someone named Dave. I'm guessing it's you. So Tyler Lockett or Miles Gaskin? Um, this is one of those fun ones where you can tell him who to start. Uh, you can to pick who you're going to play against, Dave. Who would you rather play against? Tyler Lockett or Miles Gaskin? Um, it's an interesting week, right? Uh, I, I think I think Tyler Lockett is by far the guy with the highest upside. But when you put Geno Smith in at quarterback, uh, I, I don't trust any of that. And so I would think that the higher floor is from Gaskin and the higher ceiling is from Lockett. Yeah, as long as Gaskin doesn't have a two carries for three yards kind of game. <laughs> so, uh, in my opinion, I would start Lockett if it was my team because he has the upside and doesn't have the downside that Gaskin so has. So you would rather play against Gaskin? This is I'm not just, about me. I know. Okay. T- take me away from this entirely. <laughs> I just having fun here. Yeah, if I'm actually playing this guy that you're talking about, uh, I mean, again, it, it doesn't really matter. But if I'm playing against him, then I would prefer Gaskin, who has a lower floor. Okay. I think that the right choice is Lockett. Right. Is, I, that, is that what you think? Your advice is clear. It's okay. <laughs> I, I I agree with you. This is I the think kind that, of your chasing, you're like you know, because because Gaskin had such a good game. Lockett's so good at getting open, and that's what Geno Smith needs. But Geno Smith is not a good quarterback. No, he's not. But the difference between Gaskin and Lockett is that you know that Lockett will remember, at least get a couple. What team of was Geno Smith on? He was on the Jets. The Jets are just always bad, so he can be on a better team now. Uh, okay, uh, a couple more questions that we can go through. At the Legend Joey asks if they both play, do I start? Tony or Shepard, PPR, Tony. I've been saying it all night. I think that Kadarius Tony is the man. Um, who do you think, Dave? Sterling Shepard or Kadarius Tony? Again, Sterling Shepard has a much higher floor. He's been fantastic over the past couple of years at PPR. Uh, he's been getting, you know, like 8, 10 points per game no matter what. Whereas Tony has had games that are nothing. Uh, and, and he seems reckless and... Uh, uh, he was just ejected from a game. Like there's some, there's some high um, volatility. Uh, yeah, there's volatility here. That's true. Uh, but if you're chasing upside, clearly it's it's Kadarius Tony. So Shepard is averaging six receptions per game. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty good. Well, pretty one good. one is a guy who who doesn't buck the trends, who doesn't try to uh, to get ejected or punch anybody in the helmet. The other guy is a guy who thinks he's the best receiver in football who's a rookie. <laughs> so there you go. He's the second coming of Odell. I, I think Tony, his floor is zero, and his uh, ceiling is 35. I think Shepard, his floor is... 10. S- 7 or 8, and his uh, ceiling is 16. I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, consistency versus upside. Uh, I would, in this early in the season, play Kadarius Tony. Yeah, go for the upside. At Jameson's. Ooh, Jameson. Uh, with a Y and a Z. <laughs> he has two to play. Who are we sitting? Uh, and PPR. Gaskin, Higgins, and Moss. Mm-hmm. So you got two running backs to choose from. 
and T. Higgins, who is playing. The Bengals play the Lions. That's a juicy matchup. Juicy. The Dolphins play the Jaguars. Another juicy matchup. And the Bills, doesn't matter who they play. They're going to score a ton of points. They play the Titans on Monday night. So, one of them to sit. I'm probably sitting Miles Gaskin in this situation. Just because the Dolphins have the weakest offense of anybody here. I agree. Play Higgins and Moss. All right. But again, uh, Gaskin had a really great last week. It doesn't have any bearing on his future. His weeks. last two weeks were like his floor and his ceiling. Yeah. So, you know, and, it, and it's all about, as we say, how much they're on the field. In week four, he was only in for 23% of snaps. Last week, he was in for 69. Nice percentage of snaps. <laughs> uh, uh, last question, I believe, unless anybody wants to drop one in on us. Um, would you hold on to Kittle? This is from Matt Cochran. Would you hold on to Kittle while he's out or drop him for another tight end? In his case, he's got Hunter Henry, who he just picked up. I, I We just talked about how much we love Hunter Henry. But but would you drop George Kittle? But I would never drop George Kittle. Okay. Not not in a situation You're in which... You're not going to find him on the J-Cut list anytime soon. Not in a situation in which he will come back after the three weeks. The only reason he's on the IR is because he will come back in three weeks. The only reason that that's occurring is because they changed the rules for the IR. I think a lot of people playing fantasy forget that the rules have been changed and uh and someone's on ir you're you're used to him being out for seven weeks yeah um if you had waller or kelsey on ir would you drop them hell no nor will you drop kittle uh they are top three tight end prospects i agree don't drop george kittle but hunter henry was a good pickup so good job there yeah that's a great replacement yeah and you never know. You might be able to flex them both. Uh, Congrats. If you need. Uh, so that was a great show that we did tonight. If I do say so myself, I think that you all should subscribe to us on YouTube and that you should uh, give us a five-star rating wherever you did find this podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you did find this podcast. Go to Twitter and follow us at Drink5. Go to all the rest of the social media sites. We have a strong social media presence, even if I... Um, stubbornly refuse to participate in most of it. Why do you keep saying that? That's what? not that's not a part of this. <laughs> you don't have to keep inserting your opinion about social media. I we just... love you guys. No matter where you follow us, it's fantastic. Yes, and thank uh, you. you know what? What's important here is that we all succeed, win our championships, and refill our glasses. And refill our empty. glasses. That that is one hundred percent true. Yeah. So let's let's get a refill. Okay. And thank you very much. Uh, hi, Miranda. Shout out to Miranda. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us in the in the chat room today. Cheers, guys. And uh, drink five. Drink five, everybody.